Whoo! Are you ready to exhale? Man. Man. Does your head spin? Thank God I have kids, man. <laughs> love them. I love having kids around. I did not get married till I was 40. We didn't have kids, so I think I was 43. And, um, 42. Yeah. And, um, and my son is, uh, just turned 11. Most of my friends have grandkids. Honestly, they're 60. They all have grandkids. I got to tell you, though, man, I, and I've said this. I just love having kids around. I, I don't have any regrets about starting later. In all this madness and yelling and the screaming, my kids, they just bring joy into the room. It's like Tinkerbell's around all the time, man. They love stuff like SpongeBob and chocolate chip cookies and waffles. Hey, Dad, make us waffles on Sunday. Top golf. You know what I mean? Cool stuff. I mean, last night we went to get ice cream and, you know, I just love it. I love having kids around. They, they take the edge off, man, in, in a world where things are magnificently intense. And I always get my kids' perspective. Like, I see these parents yelling and screaming about masks, and um, I can't believe that people do that. My kids are at really big schools, Mount Lebanon. And I ask my kids, and they're around, obviously, hundreds and hundreds of kids every day, and I said... Does one kid complain about a mask? No, Dad. No one. No. No. You wish you didn't have to wear a mask? Yeah. You, you wish you had... Yeah. Yeah, do you wish you didn't have to wear a mask? Yeah. Yeah. But that's it, man. I mean... And what am I trying to say here? I think that we... Uh, we lose our minds over this stuff that means nothing. And, and it just, it irritates me to no end. I, I find it so sad that we beat each other up and yell and scream and our kids, man, they, our kids don't deal like that. And my boy Patrick just texted me. Nothing at his kid's school. He asked his son, are people complaining about the mask? No, dad. So, so look, I always get the real deal from the kids. My daughters have several friends who had to sneak around and get a vaccine because their parents wouldn't let them. Think about that juxtaposition in life. Hey, look, man, I learn more from my kids every day than I'll ever be able to teach them. And uh, I ask them about everything, Afghanistan, about COVID, about depression and anxiety. I just do. I, I want them to know. I, I want their take. I feel as if uh, most Americans do their thing every day rather than obsessing about COVID, I think, uh, whether, rather than wanting to impeach Biden over a Afghanistan. And I also get so angry with so many Americans who somehow are military experts, special forces ops that know how the hell they would manage Afghanistan. Colonel Jeff McCoslin has been kind enough to join us from CBS. Colonel, good morning. How are you, sir? Morning. I'm doing well. Well, one of your assets, and, and you have many, is that you're honest. I find it uh, intriguing as hell uh, that what may look like mayhem 
to us in what is characterized as mayhem in Afghanistan. In my amateur view, at this point, considering the circumstance, considering how the military has handled it, considering not one American soldier has been shot, killed, injured, could it go any better, sir? Honestly, what's your assessment so far? Well, obviously things could always go a little bit better, but I have to say this is an extraordinary military operation that I think will be examined more closely and studied for what you can learn from it. We went from real catastrophe with the sudden collapse of Kabul to now an evacuation where we've evacuated, what I've been told this morning, 80,000 people since about the 14th of August, 20,000 people in a single day, about 15 or 16,000 of those on U.S. military aircraft. And, of course, there was no plan for that when Kabul actually actually collapsed, and that was created from scratch by unbelievable people at U.S. Transportation Command and the like, now involving 230 military aircraft, 18 civilian aircraft from craft fleet, countless diplomatic efforts to coordinate with nations all around the world for basing rights to bring aircraft in and temporarily, at least, if not long-term, house Afghan civilians. Refueling aircraft that people don't know about are flying up from Diego Garcia to racetrack over the Indian Ocean to refuel aircraft coming in, coming in and out of, out of Kabul. And all that was done, you know, from ground zero to where we are today in a handful of days. Uh, and now exceeds also overall the, the Berlin airlift and may eventually exceed the evacuation from Vietnam, which was just based on geography and airspace and a few other things, a much easier military operation. I'm in awe, honestly, of how the military has handled it. The other thing, uh, the amateur uh, special forces ops on social media, none of them are, of course, suggest that we should get tough with the Taliban. Uh, tell them we'll leave and we want to leave. And if they say no, then we go in there and have a street fight with them. Colonel, I just don't see that as a solution. Fighting it out on the streets of Kabul uh, in a heavily populated area with women and children around this notion that let's just shoot our way out. Does that make any sense at all, sir? None to me. And having been to Kabul and having been to Harvard Kazai International Airport, the city of Kabul has grown enormously since 2001 from about less than a million to about four and a half million. Urban sprawl has gone out around the airport. So there's urban areas pretty much around that. Well, as soon as you get in a confrontation, if there's one mortar round fired, one rocket fired, guess what? That airport shuts down totally shuts down to all operations. So you put the whole operation at risk, number one. Number two, your resupply, ammunition, food, water, fuel, more troops, et cetera. Hey, sorry, um, has to come in by air. And so that's what that's the situation you're in at that particular instant. Um, and there's, there's no way that's going to be a tenable uh, military operation. And not only do you put the whole thing at risk, but as you suggest, you're going to immediately start taking not only civilian or military casualties, but civilian casualties. The 9,000 people outside the airport right now, the 4,500 or so who are inside the airport, uh, not to mention the people living in Kabul. Colonel Jeff McCausland. Colonel, I know that you have uh, uh, significant military experience uh, and you have seen a live action and you have been in Kabul. Um, to the veterans who I hear from that are disappointed by the way we have handled this. About 77% of those veterans wanted out. Colonel, would there ever have been a reasonable way to please everyone in handling this, sir, ever? No, I, I don't think so. I think you only end up with, with really two options at the end of the day. One, to withdraw, as we're doing, 
recognizing that there was going to be a certain amount of chaos. Now, we'll argue forever whether that chaos that we've seen could have been reduced. I think there was assumptions that we'd be able, we had time on our side and we'd be able to pull out when the Afghan government would hang on for a year, 18 months or more at least uh, after that happened. So either A, pull out, knowing there's going to be a certain amount of chaos, or B, say we're going to stay. And if we're going to stay, then we're going to see the Taliban start attacking us once again. We're going to start taking casualties. The Afghan government was going to continue to have problems. We're going to be eventually forced to either send in more military forces to try to prop that government up and stem the tide, and we'd be into this for another 10, 15, 20 years. The ultimate problem, I think, in many ways, was creating a credible government in Kabul, politically, that could gain the support of the people and the support of that army and present to the Taliban a, a viable political alternative that would force them to negotiate, thinking that we're going to stay there forever and fight them until the Taliban gives up on their homeland, I think reminds me of that old saying the Taliban would say to us when we talk to them, don't ever forget, you have the watches, we got the time. Wow. Colonel, that is beautiful. Colonel, I I love your uh, commentary. I love your insight. You tell nothing but the truth, sir. Thank you so much. Marty, have a good day.